You're listening to Working File, a podcast about design practice and its relationship with the world. My name is Andy Mangold. And I'm Matt McInerney. On this episode, we're joined by Cap Watkins and Maurice Cherry to discuss conferences and other designy events. We're going to talk about why you should go or why you should stay at home and just pat your dog on the head. Mm, nice pats. Fuzzy head. Hello, boys. This is, a, this is a boys' night. This is boys-only episode. How's everyone doing? <laughs> I'm hanging up. <laughs> You're hanging up already? Oh, no. I was trying to bond with my fellow men, but I did it wrong, like I always have my entire life. Anyway, uh, does everyone have their, their lanyards or whatever? We're talking about design conferences tonight, and uh, we have two returning people. We have Maurice, uh, and we have Cap. So welcome, both of you. Thanks for having us. Hello. And uh, we, we're going to talk about Design, conferences, and I use the word conference liberally because I know that lately the sort of traditional conferences maybe fallen out of fashion and now there's these unconferences and other kinds of things that are also like design events. But I think we just wanted to talk about the sort of place that these events have in the design community and in culture in general. And I think we should just start by talking about our history with them so people have some kind of groundwork to understand you know, where we're coming from. Um, and I, I can start. I've uh, I've attended a few events. Um, most of the ones I've attended are ones I was speaking at, and I've probably spoken at I don't know four or five events, maybe uh, ever. Not many. Uh, one of them was when I met UCAP actually at uh, at the design. What was it? RGD Design Week, Design Thinkers, Design Thinkers. That's what it was called in yes. Canada. Um, so I've attended a couple. I've spoken at a couple, and uh, I did actually organize one small design event here in Baltimore once. So I have. A little bit of experience on the like organize something side and by experience i mean i learned that i don't like to organize events and i don't ever want to do it again but uh but yeah that was the thing i learned so so where else is everyone else coming from How, what is your relationship with with these kind of events and conferences i've attended a couple of them uh i've only spoken at once i did a panel one time and one of the guys was like 45 minutes late so we got cut from an hour to 15 minutes it really stunk but you know <laughs> it was fun to be invited I've always been like somewhat skeptical of the whole thing. Like, why am I paying all this money to go see the same people talk over and over again? But uh, I don't know. Well, Maybe if you I'm never go, then it's not the same people. You've never even seen them talk. It's your first time. I have the internet. I know how YouTube works. <laughs> okay, okay. We'll get to that. Uh, Maurice, what about you? What's your history with events and your relationship to them? Wow. So I've been speaking and attending conferences on and off for the past probably 10 or 11 years now. Um, I think I probably really started speaking more around 2010, and I've I've tried to do at least one or two events every year or so. Um, and I've mostly just gone as a speaker. There have been a few conferences I've gone as an attendee, but of course, when you're a speaker at a conference, you're also attending, but it's just a different, I feel it's a different level of participation and, and sort of visibility that you get as a speaker. But I've been doing it for a while now. And I'm kind of uh, slowing down or, or, or kind of coming down from doing conferences anymore. Getting old? Well, <laughs> no. <laughs> I think, well, something is getting old. I mean, it could be me, but it could also just be I was going to say, general... dang, like we're really just cutting right to it here. I know, right? Like, just like, really, just like We asked the tough questions on this show. We're not gonna... <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Um, no, I, I'd say probably the general kind of 
drama and mess around conferences that I've had to deal with in the past few years has gotten old and it's kind of tarnished the experience for me. All right, before we get more into that, Cap, what about you? I know you've spoken quite a bit at conferences. What what, what is your relationship in general? Uh, Yeah, so I, let's see. So I've attended one conference as a non-speaker. If I don't count things like South by Southwest, which I do not count, uh, because those are, I would say that's a... uh, party than a conference sure Um, (laughs) but uh so i yeah i did my first public speaking thing it was actually like i got recommended by a friend who knew i was interested in speaking at things um which i'm sure we'll get more into later um i gave my first talk uh uh, a few years ago and blacked out halfway through uh because i was very nervous i was very nervous i don't remember the last half of the talk no Uh, drinking involved just blacked out because you were nervous about it yeah I, well it's not like i like nobody knew i blacked out i just don't i have no recollection of the last half of my talk and i've never wow. been invited back so i can't imagine it was good um but, I, uh, I gotta <laughs> say having seen you give a talk cap i'm surprised to hear that because the the one talk i saw you give at uh design thinkers in toronto you uh you seemed very confident like you uh, like you kind of owned the stage and, and you know knew what was up is that just because you've gotten better at it since then or do you still feel that kind of those kind of nerves <laughs> Yeah, I've done it a lot since then. It's uh, it's one of those things I was telling somebody the other day. It's like uh, I'm still nervous, but uh, for less time. So <laughs> if you imagine like, oh, oh, actually, let me back up. So you know how a lot of people when they say that they're afraid of public speaking and they need to do it, like they they say they need to throw up. You know that that mm-hmm. like feeling sure. people get. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't get that feeling. I get I actually have to pee really bad. Uh, it's like a that's thing like a that, different kind of throw up. Different kind of throw up. Uh, and so what has happened is it used to be like 24 to 48 hours in advance. I get super nervous and then feel like I needed to, to use the restroom maybe. And now it's gotten to the place where like I've done it so much that like the fear is less. But it just means that like literally two minutes or 30 seconds before I walk out on stage is when that hits me. Mm. So just for what it's worth, if you're ever watching me give a talk. No matter how confident I seem, you can like guarantee that I am just like <coughs> dying to go to the bathroom the entire time. Like you just look at me, like, if it makes anybody feel better watching me talk, like that's a thing. It puts a little um, bit of pressure on you. I mean, no pun intended. So you know, <laughs> just get out there and do a good job. Trying to get off stage as soon as possible. Exactly. Um, yeah, not, we're not going to talk for too long. It'll be okay. Right. So I've been, yeah, but I've been giving talks for a few years. Um, I give maybe four to six a year. Uh, I don't feel too disillusioned with it. We can get maybe more into that later. Um, uh, Let's I do, get into it I, now I because problem, I, I, but. I'm curious to hear, like, you know, it sounds like maybe Maurice is the only person who's like, Maurice, have you attended a fair number of events? You said you mostly speak, right? Also, you haven't really attended events either? No, I've attended um, a few design conferences just as an attendee, but they've been smaller type events. They haven't been sure. like a big multi-day design conference. It may be something where it's like, an afternoon or maybe a one or two day event, something like that I've attended. Um, yeah, but no, I've, I've, I've probably, I'd say done equal amounts of attending and speaking. Interesting. Cause I, I thought about it real hard and outside of like, I do some things locally here in Baltimore, which, you know, are not on like the outside of Baltimore design map just to like, you know, meet people or whatever, uh, which I guess counts. But when it comes to like traveling to a conference that like had a ticket I had to pay for, I've done that once before in my life that I wasn't speaking at. And that was uh, one of the XOXO festivals out in Portland. 
And um, but other than that, we're 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 a bunch of people that have maybe spoken a number of times at events, but are not attending them. And I I wonder how we kind of like handle that because it's interesting. You know, I don't want to go to these events. I'm not going to pay my money to do it. And yet, when I'm given the opportunity to speak somewhere, I'm like, well, sure. Selfishly, for me, I want to travel somewhere and maybe make a little bit of money or at least get my travel reimbursed. Uh, but then, am I going and giving a talk that I myself wouldn't want to go and see? Like, do I do I feel like I'm bringing something unique and special to that? It's interesting the disillusionment there because I do feel like there's a line between conference attendees and conference speakers in that the people mm-hmm. I know that speak at conferences don't tend to be the same people that are like attending a bunch to like go and listen to things. That doesn't sound all that shocking. I mean, like the one prospect is, hey, pay a lot of money, go see other people talk. Maybe you think you're, maybe you think you have something important to say. Someone asks you, and also they'll pay you. I mean, that that doesn't shock me in the least. I would also go talk more if I was asked more. But like the prospect of paying a lot of money, taking time off work, like traveling somewhere far away, and also just stepping into a room full of strangers versus just being a person on the <clears throat> being on the brochure or whatever, and other people coming up to you and being like, oh. I'll talk to you about stuff is like way less terrifying and oh, I disagree. I think the worst kind of stranger room is a stranger room where everyone has a picture of your face and a little bio you had to write. That's a that's a room I don't <laughs> want to be in. Um, so let's just dive in. So why why don't we the four of us here on this call feel compelled to attend conferences? And Reese, I'll start with you because it sounds like your disillusionment has perhaps amped up a little bit recently and i'm curious yeah, to know it, why it, it you're has, not it attending has, events. it has uh metastasized into not <laughs> speaking at any more conferences for a while um and it's so funny because i i just sent out my tiny letter to people about a few days ago and like the i do this little story time at the end and the story time was like i'm done with speaking at conferences and like the decision's been coming for a few years and it's just kind of gotten to a fine point where i'm doing like a few events next month and then that's it for a while. Um I I actually really like going to conferences. I love speaking at conferences. Just, to me it's sort of like a mini vacation in a way. Like I get to talk with people that are interested in my work. I get to answer difficult questions that might challenge my perceptions. There's the opportunity to network with other speakers that are there. And some events, you know, can even go the extra mile by having like a speaker dinner. I've gotten gifts for speaking at conferences. You get a little bit of free press. Um, you get an honorarium, hopefully, knock on wood, fingers crossed. But that's we can talk about that a little later. And you get to kind of go to different cities and stay in a nice hotel. I mean, aside from that time that you're at the conference, it is kind of like a little mini vacation. But the problem that I've had that has sort of come to this point where I don't want to speak anymore is that it's really just been with conference organizers. Um they value they value uh, what you can bring, but not enough that they will actually pay you. <laughs> sure. Like, like they'll say, oh, well, we love your work. We've seen your work here. We've seen your work at this and we would love to have you. Oh, but we don't pay speakers, but it would be great exposure. And I'm at the point in my career that I, I mean, that can't pay the bills. I mean, I, I've been running my own studio now for almost nine years. Everything that I have to do needs to be hopefully something that's making me money. Otherwise, I'm not going to just go. And the problems I've had, I've sort of gotten back feedback from conference organizers. It's like, oh, well, you know, asking to have your, your travel reimbursed, that's just greedy. That's just ungrateful. Why are you being what? so difficult? And, you know, that, that sort really of thing. Is that really a thing? Like, that specifically? Like, at, just asking the question is, me to, is met with that? Oh, it's a thing. It's a thing. Um, I'd say probably between 
08 and 2010, I got blacklisted for a little while <laughs> because Wait. the conference wanted me to speak. It was a conference in Miami and I was like, well, it's not that far, but I still need to be paid to to like show up and put together a presentation. And they were super angry about the fact that I even asked. And then they went and told a bunch of other people. And so for a while, I didn't do a lot of speaking until 2010, which was my first time uh, speaking at South by Southwest. That was kind of me coming back onto the scene a little bit. So you're telling me there's like a design conference mafia that like puts you on like the no fly list or whatever. And I don't know. You- I don't know if that's the case now because the, the whole conference scene I think has become so variegated because of social media and the internet that it's not a big deal if you don't speak at these kind of, you know, triple A top class design conferences because there's so many different meetups and two day conferences and online summits and Twitter chats and Slack chats and all this kind of stuff where you can still get the opportunity to speak. You know, I'm doing air quotes here without having to kind of go through all of that other stuff. Well, so my my disillusionment with events is partially just something that has nothing to do with design or like whether it's a good idea for my career to go partially it's just like me personally i like to be in my house and sleep in my bed <laughs> and pet my dog on the head and like not like do stuff i guess it's the best way to describe it so like andy the homebody you know I'm, I'm not uh i'm not shy like, i'm not like to be nervous going out and meeting people i just it's just so much and then i don't really like most people so you meet new people you don't like them and then it's like well, why am i doing this anyway i already got the people i like i know them already i don't know i'm just generally like the whole scene of like going to do a thing is not so much for me um but i will say that i also don't from a practical standpoint like see the appeal i, I kind of feel like matt does in that there is a wealth of design articles on the internet there are videos of other people's talks there are you know conversations you can have on social media or otherwise with people in the community i've got you know my friends and peers that i can talk to about things i don't feel there is a like hole in my life where i need to fill it with more design content more thought leadership or whatever you want to call it um and i also don't feel like frankly as a speaker uh, if I was to get invited to speak more, I I wouldn't expect it to be something that would advance my career, right? I, I don't expect it to lead to more work for friends of the web. I don't have any reason to believe that it would like make anything better. Uh, it would be like a thing I could do and an experience I could have. And if I get lucky enough to have my travel fees reimbursed, then it's like a free experience I can decide to have if I want to. But aside from that, I don't see like, for me, the real benefit of attending one of these things and therefore not being able to pat my dog on the head at the end of the day, which is what I really want to do. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at. You should put that in your put that in your speaking contract. You have to bring your dog. Oh, there we go. That'd be great. She hates your traveling. dog is very well behaved. I think you're, I think your dog could handle. Call a trip. it call it your support animal. There you go. I've thought about that. That seems unfair though. <laughs> I've also like have you ever? I've also encountered like seeing the same person speak at like two or three events and realizing they say the exact same thing every single time you're kind of like mm, podcasts exist youtube exists <laughs> like i could and they're probably on there too be very easy to see this literally this exact same speech and it's not like how often are you gonna it, maybe it's valuable if you get to talk to that person and have a more like one-on-one interaction but that's not the format of a conference so like to me it's like paying a lot of money going a place if if it's not more of an experience and it's just listening to somebody like there's so many mediums where you can do that for free it's kind of hard to make the case for a conference yeah i can see where that would be a real drawback when and a lot of conferences i think fall into this uh habit 
of only bringing in the same, I don't know, six or seven dozen voices to speak at all these different types of events um, across the country or even, you know, around the world. And like you're saying, there's podcasts, there's other things, but then those people end up being on there too. And it's like, for me, if there's one downside that I would have to design conferences is that there's not enough new and diverse voices that are being featured. Like where's the new blood that's coming in? Like, do we really need to hear the same person give the same type of presentation year after year or every other year, you know, kind of like, you know what you're saying, Matt, there's, there's no variety there. Yeah. And to come back to something you mentioned earlier, Maurice, I'm curious to know. So you mentioned that your issue is not really with the conferences, but you said specifically the conference organizers and their unwillingness to pay for reasonable travel accommodations and other things. Do you think that is actually like the fault of the conference organizer for misallocating resources like they have the money but they chose to give some giant honorarium to some famous person for like the keynote speech and then they have nothing for anybody else or do you think that's just a flaw with the format right like you can't charge people enough money to pay people to speak and also to rent the space and to you know have somebody there to clean up the trash and all the other kind of operational expenses i'm curious to know where you think that problem sort of comes from I, I sort of think that it's both. And I want I want Cap to kind of chime in on this too. So it's not just not just me giving my perspective. Um I think it's probably a little bit of both. I certainly have been approached by conferences who have already filled up, you know, maybe eighty percent of their roster and they just need that little bit of diversity to say, hey, you know, we're we're really trying to find more more diverse voices, we're really trying to diversify our speaker lineup. And I'm thinking, you know, if you're coming to me for this specialized purpose, I should get something out of it. Where's I mean, the diversity you're not, budget? <laughs> you're not approaching me. I mean, I don't know if they approach the other people that they have, have uh, brought up in that same manner. But oftentimes when it's leveraged in that way, I'm thinking, well, I mean, I got to get something out of it if you're coming to me for this specific reason. Not saying it's not because of my work, but they often will lead with the diversity angle. And it's like, oh, OK. All right. And I, I guarantee you any person of color, woman, LGBT, et cetera, that has been approached in that same kind of way for speaking at a conference. It's kind of a groan because you're like, oh, that's all that you want me to speak about. Not that you know you can't speak about your work, but they are looking at you, I guess, as maybe a a demographic point to hit or yeah. a, a quota to fill in in some sort of way. And well, so the thing when, I always it, feel. It, well, I mean, when it comes to that, I mean, I don't feel bad about asking for having my travel or things reimbursed. But the problem that ends up happening is because it might be at the tail end of their planning. Oh, well, we can't afford to pay this. Or you find out sure, that sure. other speakers are getting paid more than you are, but you're presenting at the same, you know, level in terms of the amount of time that you have and and all of that sort of stuff. And in those situations, the the cynical person in my brain just has to go like, you just don't want to get angry tweets when your lineup is all white men. Like that's a big motivator for like, you know, trying to reach out to the diversity for a lot of people, I think. They just don't want the backlash or the blowback. I think at least so. When- at least when it's in that situation where it's like last minute and they're coming to you because they're trying to fill this slot. Uh, and, and that to me is like, you're not solving the problem. You're just trying to avoid the the repercussions from it. Uh, you're just trying to get not get in trouble, which is not the same as like actually valuing different perspectives when you're like planning your conference and making it one of your high priorities to like get different voices there. Which I don't know is a thing. Yeah, that 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 is very much still a thing. 
I mean, very. I've got probably two requests like that in my inbox right now um, <laughs> that are pretty much that same thing. But sometimes conferences will ask just for the sake of asking to say like, oh, well, we reached out to people and I guess they didn't fit whatever our, you know, invisible criteria were to have them speak. So, you know, yeah. Cap, you said you're less disillusioned, perhaps, than we are. What do you, what's your response to all this? I mean, yeah, damn, you guys hate conferences. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's a, lot, there's a lot to unpack there. I feel like the, the diversity thing is real. I feel like, uh, actually, this is a, I don't, I'm not going to, like, I don't want to name the conferences or whatever, but, like, recently, I was asked to speak at this conference, and, uh, uh, and I, you know, I look at their website. I always look at, like, the conference website ahead of time, look at their lineup. Because I don't want to contribute to that problem, obviously. It's something like I've we cared about I've cared about my career, cared about what the teams I'm on. Uh and so I looked at this conference website and it was like it was last year's lineup and it was all all white dudes. Like it was like it was, it was like fifteen. It was like a ton of people. Jake uh, and Chad and Matt and Brad and John and all those guys, <laughs> yeah. Sure. And so I, I replied to the email and I was like I you know, I try to be really nice about it because I assume that like, you know, no one's ever said anything before. Um <laughs> And so I'm just like, hey, like, I probably shouldn't do this, like, because of these reasons, this thing's really important to me, like, here's why, whatever, whatever. Um, and they reply, and they're like, oh, well, like, we're really trying to change that this year, like, we totally get that from last year. And I said, great. I was like, well, let me put you, you know, I'm happy to put you in touch with, like, there's a ton of people at BuzzFeed that would be great for this, that would totally help you with that problem, right, if it's something you're committed to, like, like let me hook you up. And they were like, great. What about this person? And they named a white dude at BuzzFeed. <laughs> and I was just like, what just interesting, happened? Like, interesting. It was super confusing. I actually didn't wind up just not responding because <laughs> I didn't know what to say. Um, so that's a real problem. I, 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 I agree. I think that's real. Um, in terms of the, I don't know, like the, the value of a conference in general, I think it's easy to think it's worthless if you have access to to all these people or like to this content in a way that's like that makes it feel more accessible to you um mm -hmm. actually to be honest with you a lot of the conferences i speak at now are like pretty small um i just spoke at one in ottawa uh which was a couple hundred people uh i've spoken in halifax in saskatoon a lot of canadian small canadian places uh but what winds up happening what i've noticed is like uh these are smaller audiences. A lot of them are like students, maybe, um, or uh, or just like very early in their career, where their company's mm -hmm. like investing in them to go to this thing and kind of like maybe learn something or like know something they didn't know before. Um, and so, I actually, my personal opinion is like the smaller the conference is, like the better it is. Uh, like I have a better time as a speaker. Like I get to actually talk to almost everybody that goes to the conference. In that case. Um, at some point or another, uh, it gives them a lot of access to me, like, cause it's usually a couple of days. There's like events planned and like, again, it's not that many people, so it's not like people are splitting up or anything. Sure. Um, and like the feedback I've gotten from the people at the conference is that it's really great to be able to like talk to, first of all, hear about other places that they like, they don't live in New York or San Francisco. Right. And so living in Ottawa or living in Dublin or wherever is like, you are divorced from this this stuff even if yeah you totally watch a youtube video but it's not an it's just not enough um or it's not the same and so the attendees seem to really enjoy it so i don't i don't know like it's like it's hard to say it's not worthwhile um 
when the folks that are there seem to really get a lot out of it. Um, yeah, I I will say like I, I'm throwing that criticism right, but like I've also some of the more valuable one of the more valuable things I ever did was going to uh, not a conference, but just going to a school and like talking at a classroom uh, full of design students, and that I loved. Um, and that, but that to me, like I I feel like maybe I'm throwing criticism at like really big conferences where the speakers sure. are not accessible. Yeah. Um. But like when I got a chance to speak at a university for design students, it was like it was great because it was thoughtful questions uh more time for interaction uh yep. everyone's genuinely interested um that i loved yeah. and not I, I guess that's not different than what a conference could be but i just i picture it as a different thing you know well and to Maurice's point actually what's really what's been interesting to me is it seems like the bigger the conference the more unlikely they are to want to pay you it's really it's very strange like the more that the conference treats itself like a business the more they try to nickel and dime the speakers that's about true. this stuff yeah like a business um, well a it's, business not, is yeah, like a business. it's not different than like a prestigious place where they're like well we're very prestigious so we don't have to pay you as much right yeah, and you sure. go oh i didn't know i guess yes yeah well what's funny is like it's it's really interesting to me because when that happens i go like oh but wait this like student run conference in ottawa paid their speakers to show up and to like and the whole thing right they like took care of things mm -hmm. and like if that's possible and they're not charging that much because it's like it's a bunch of students like how and it's a couple of days like how is this conference with like thousands of attendees like like how is that possible um and then i realized that it's like it's a it is capitalism <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> at its, at its very worst. Because they can, Cap. That's why it's possible. Right. Because they got well, people to show up without paying them. So totally, it worked, I yeah. guess. And so I think it actually comes down to the speakers. Because like I don't, I don't go to those things because I'm not going to do that. Um, but obviously, some people will. Um, and so it's kind of this. I don't know. Like you just got. Yeah. I think it's like this. It's the speaker's fault that that's happening because a lot of people are willing to go, or their companies are willing to pay for it. They think it's a good like marketing opportunity or whatever, um, mm -hmm. uh, but it's kind of our fault that it's that way because we're willing. Some some people are willing to do it, obviously. Yeah, um, you make a good point about the reasons why people attend these things. I I want to make sure that like you know the reasons I don't see myself wanting to attend these are, are like strictly my reasons. I'm I'm not trying to be you know critical of somebody that wants to attend events. I don't think there's any reason to be under any circumstances. Like if you think it's going to be valuable or you've done it a bunch and you have had it be something you enjoy then like by all means I'm, I'm not here to kind of stop that uh it's interesting to think about the types of people that end up at events and i think it's kind of this like self-sustaining system where if you're the kind of person that wants to go to an event and wants to go to you know the bars in the area afterwards and like talk to people and like that's the thing you want to do then you're going to meet other people that also want to do that thing and you're going to get along with each other and people like me are going to sit in our home and you know pat our dogs on the head and be and be alone and that's what we want to do so it's kind of like a self-selecting thing i think when it comes down to the attendees in a way that i think works i don't think there's a problem with that system in my mind yeah yeah i don't know i just like I, I feel like there's value there like i think that my again like i feel like the smaller it is the better it is um yeah in terms of all that stuff like even like People who are pretty shy can still like clomb onto a group that's going to talk to somebody they might be interested in hearing from or whatever and it's just like I think it becomes a little bit easier um, and more intimate when it's smaller. And I've also been doing this thing recently where I'm experimenting now with other other ways to make the conference better for me <laughs> uh, that I don't I don't really that has nothing to do with the conference. So like actually the last uh, the last one or two that I've 
gone to, I've sent an email to the conference organizers a few days beforehand and been like, Hey, like here's a link to a calendar uh, appointment, like setup thing for a few hours, have people just like, can you just send this out to the attendees and have them like sign up if they want to like hang out for 30 minutes, uh, oh, just block of like four oh, that's hours. That's a cool idea. I like that idea. And it's worked out really well. Like people like it's just like it fills up really quick. And then like I get to meet people who is we it's at a coffee shop. It's not at the conference. It's not like after I spoke or something. It's like I try to do it beforehand. Uh, and that's been pretty great. Like it lets me kind of talk to people, uh, which I like to do. And then uh, gives people kind of me. And again, like it's about access. Right. So it's like, how can you like how can you give people more of an opportunity um, when time is a scarce resource, so I don't know. And create an those moments experiment. that you value, like you mentioned that the the sort of one on one conversations or the smaller groups are the places where you feel like the event is more successful, and so you're just making that space, even in a bigger event, you're making that happen for yourself. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had like senior. I mean, there's been senior designer people in my life that have changed my life, right? Like changed my career, like by giving me some advice or like telling me something that stuck with me for a long time, and like like I don't know that I actually am able to provide anything even remotely uh close to some experience like that uh yeah. but uh but if you that even know. like if that even like if anything even like struck somebody that would be an interesting that'd be an interesting outcome no, i i love that idea like both on, on both sides of it like the when i the, that school talk i mentioned like part of it was a portfolio review where they just like signed kids up and because i was there talking i they also uh, signed me up to do like portfolio reviews after and that was really fun not because we were reviewing portfolios but just like every kid got a chunk of time um, and we got to talk talk about their work and talk about my work. And like, I love portfolio how they reviews. Relate. They're yeah, so fun to really do. Yeah, it's really fun. Uh, and on the flip side, like when I was in school, there were a couple of designers where I got invited to go hang with them after a, a speech. And like, I didn't care so much about um, the like going to see someone talk as much as I did getting to like sit with them at dinner and ask them questions. And that was like, there are definitely a couple of those that changed my life. So that part i mean i'm saying the same thing over and over again but like the the more intimate connection part is has always been valuable and i love that part yeah and i feel like conferences aren't set up to like to to it seems like what we're the criticism that we have is that conferences don't create those situations and so like i I think there is an opportunity for them to be better than they are right like my main criticism would be like that if you can if the conference is set up in a way that it could be very easily repeated by a medium like YouTube or like a video online or a podcast or something like, I don't know, think about what the point of getting everybody in a room is. Right. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. I I think that, you know, there's a lot of people I've talked to that have attended a lot of conferences and they, I've talked to people that have the opinion that like the conference is a MacGuffin, right? Like the whole point is just to get, these kind of like-minded people in the same space and then they're there for the things you're describing right the things they're actually there for like meeting at the bar afterwards or you know finding people in a coffee shop or just making new friends and going out and like doing something else not necessarily for like the sanctioned organized events and you know some conferences at least i know i attended xoxo and uh they specifically have like some number of tickets they sell to what is effectively like the conference with a capital C where you see all the speakers on the main stage and they do their presentations. And then they sell like a much bigger batch of other tickets for people that are there for, I forget what they call it. It's like the, you know, satellite of other stuff going on. And there's smaller events going on and there's like a games room where like board games are out and stuff like that. Uh, but you can pay just to like go and show up to like basically be there. Like you're not attending the main talks that are going to be on YouTube later. You're just showing up to like see people. And uh, it was interesting because that, that's what I did for XOXO. I just did the like hang out around the area and like 
see this kind of side event stuff. And it felt like that was an attempt at what we're describing of turning a conference that is a relatively big deal. I mean, XOXO intentionally stays small relative to like number of people that are attending, but they have mm-hmm. like a lottery every year because they have more people that want to go than can. And so, uh, you know, it's a somewhat big deal, but they've atten- intentionally kind of carved out this space for people to just kind of show up and do whatever, you know, pops up, which it was pretty successful, I would say, uh, as a person that doesn't love attending was conferences it, or events, it worked out pretty well. Yeah, I was going to say, you decided to go, so, like, was that better than the main event, or um, worse, I, or... So, I, I'll be totally transparent. The reason I, I decided to go was because uh, there was a reunion show for You Look Nice Today, which is probably my favorite podcast of all time, and just the opportunity to see that happen uh, was worth it to me to pay the entire ticket and for the entire airplane trip, and the rest of it was kind of gravy. Um, so... If not for that, I would never have gone, and I haven't gone since. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it was a good experience. You you can't go anymore, right? I think it's over. Yeah, I think they they, they don't ever. Did they officially announce that it's actually over? I know they never like commit to doing it again until like they don't say there's going to be one next year until they decide to do it. Uh, but maybe it's actually over over now. I'm not sure. We'll find it out and put it in the show notes one way or the other. Uh, but so is, is that an idea you've all come across the idea of like the conference is a MacGuffin and I guess I should explain for people that don't know what a MacGuffin is uh, it's the idea that like you know this thing is just drawing people to this place it's just like pulling the plot forward and uh, you know you're just gonna that's just it's not the actual reason it's just the reason that everyone kind of congregates in this one place um, that, that makes sense to me I, I get that more than I get showing up for a bunch of talks frankly I would say sometimes it is I mean I've I've certainly talked with organizers where they've been very transparent that the reason they put this event together was so they could bring all these people in one place and kind of grow the network there, so to speak. Uh, But there have been conferences I've been to that, you know, kind of had this sort of built in networking component to it where you got a chance to I think I did portfolio reviews at a conference last year. And it is really fun because you get a chance to interact with people one on one. And I really like Cap's idea of doing that sort of off-site meeting sort of thing, because oftentimes when you're done with your talk, you're like, that's it. I want to go to the bathroom. I want to get something to eat. And people are like, oh, I want to ask you questions. I want to ask you questions, which is great. But oftentimes it's like, I can't, I mean, I didn't think I was going to stand around here for 30 more minutes asking questions. I thought I was going to go to whatever the next thing is. But then having that opportunity to meet them off-site for a coffee or, or what have you, while you're in the area is pretty valuable. I mean, yeah, the, I mean, the, the truth is the reason people go is, and the reason conference exists are, uh, it's, it's complicated like everything else, you know, it's like a mixture of all the things. It's like a lot of motivators. Yeah. Would it be as successful if there were zero talks? I don't know. Like, like, I don't know. I actually don't know the answer to that question. Um, I mean, there is, there would be like, what do you gather around? I mean, I guess you could just have like, uh like group activities or something but i do understand the point of like gives you a schedule it gives you a thing to focus on it gives you a thing to talk about sure i also wonder how many people kind of like me and xoxo would be in the position of like i want to see this one thing and so i'm going to go for this one thing and the rest of it i don't care about and i'm just going to kind of like float after that uh but if that's if that's the situation and everyone's coming for a different thing then you kind of get you know these people all in the same space, even though they're coming for different reasons, which could be interesting, probably. I feel like that might be the case for like pretty big conferences, like that have multiple tracks where it's impossible for you to see everything. People will sure. come just to see one or two folks, or it might be honestly the only event that they go to, you know, maybe wherever they're working at, that's mm-hmm. what their professional development will pay for. So they go to that one conference 
and try to get as much out of it or they mm-hmm. go because they know other people are going because yeah it's about the speakers but also if you know that friends of yours are going from another company or something that's another sort of social aspect to it as well yeah actually i have to say i have done like um my own company's like gone to conferences as a group um and that's been a successful thing so like more as like a company bonding thing than a yeah who cares what the specific conference is i can see that value yeah i mean so we we uh obviously like the design team at buzzfeed has like a conference budget that we you know make work for the design team that we have um and uh it's interesting the managers right now how it works today is the managers plan that budget and plan the conferences that designers go to based on their professional objectives um and so like we have some designers who have professional objectives around visual design and so we're like oh well typographics might be really interesting because typography is kind of the basis of many different skills that they could learn um and so we try to kind of match people to specific types of content and specific types of people that would be also interested in that content right it's like it's actually like i said it's kind of complicated right it's like if you go to typographics the odds are you're going to meet type nerds right like yeah probably uh and that's kind of cool and it'd be really again valuable for the people that we have working for us to like to experience that um and then on the flip side the reason that like I speak at conferences or why like people on the design team at BuzzFeed speak at conferences and why if I can't go to one, I pass one off to them. It's like, first of all, obviously it's like a professional development thing for all of us. I, I actually think it's valuable for my career and also their careers to be doing that. But the real truth of it is like, um, and this was true at Etsy too, was it like these places I'm working, these last two places I've worked like, uh, are not necessarily like people know what they are, but they're not necessarily on the top of people's minds when they're thinking about like they're at their job and they're like, uh, like I think I'm probably ready to move on. Like what's the next product design job I'm going to have? Like when I started at Buzzfeed or at Etsy, I wouldn't say that like Buzzfeed or Etsy were the very first thing someone would think about, or even in the top three, maybe of tech companies that someone would think about. And so you also think about it from like a PR campaign standpoint. If you're like in a pl- position in a company that you're trying to like hire for, and you know, you're yeah. going to have to hire eventually too. So that when I reach out to somebody about like, Hey, like product design at Etsy, maybe you should come work for us. Like that would be super rad. Right. That they're not like, wait, Etsy does product design. What's that? Yeah. Like what yeah. do they do? Um, so like kind of, there's also that segment to it where it's like, we are on a con- like constant PR campaign to let people know the kind of work we do, like the values we have, like the goals that we try to like go after so that maybe they're interested in those. And maybe someday when they're ready, they will, they'll think of us when they want to move on to something else. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a big difference between the way you see it and the way I see it is because I feel like I'm like, my company's not at anywhere, anywhere near that where it's like we can expend the resources to, like try to recruit people in that way like i have that same thought you have just not on that level um but like that that does kind of change the way you would think about it right if i were working for a buzzfeed as opposed to kind of a small agency yeah i mean you should come work for buzzfeed i mean uh, I mean, uh <laughs> <laughs> they've got them programmed well <laughs> sorry it's just a, it's a it's a it's a just a reaction i have when someone says something like that yeah Nervous sorry tick. you just tell people to work for buzzfeed so i want to talk a little bit more about kind of our relationship to this topic uh i guess cap matt and i specifically as like the overrepresented group in conferences and, and maurice i'm curious to hear your perspective on this too but you know I, I know that i don't get invited to speak as much as i used to and 
as I started speaking less and less, I started more and more doing the thing Cap is describing, where someone emails me and says, hey, do you want to speak at this conference? And I say, thank you very much, uh, but I'm going to pass. Here's some other people you might consider. And I, this this response I've given to people has evolved <coughs> over the years. Uh, when I first started doing this, I was dumb and young, and my response was like, you're screwing up the diversity stuff, and here's some people you should have speak instead of me. And that is never met kindly. I got so many nasty emails back because and I, I get it, right? Because people think they're doing you a huge favor by inviting you. It's like a, it's an honor to be invited to something. And your response is basically like, Patui, I don't want that honor. Instead, I'm going to tell you what you're doing your job wrong and tell you to go do, do a better job, uh, which is a really hard thing to sort of negotiate. So it used to be like that. And then I started just instead of explaining why, I would just be like, I'm going to have to pass. And here are some people you should consider. And I would provide a list of people that are voices that are not heard so often in conferences to try and encourage them to do that without, you know, saying it, you know, totally obviously. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to know, like, how much of the responsibility do you think is on speakers to turn things down when they're in a group that whose voice is being heard a little too much? And how much is on conference organizers to, like, do a better job and just invite a better group of people so that this isn't a problem for, for the speakers down down the road. Like, I don't know how to... Basically, like, I don't think that no white men should ever speak at conferences, but on an individual basis, like, if, you know, James Victoria gets an email inviting him to a conference, I would like him to say no and point to some other people. Uh, so I, I, I have a hard time kind of, like, resolving that whole conflict in my head. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, can also boil down to the the person's their individual reasons for wanting to speak at conferences. Like you sort of said before, you said that, you know, you like to be at home, you like to be around your friends. And so speaking at conferences, yeah, it's like, easy I don't want to be say no. around these strangers. <laughs> but for people that are trying to be seen as subject matter experts, every conference that they speak at is like another step to get to that point. Or it could be, you know, for, you know, up and coming speakers, it's a chance for them to kind of practice and hone their presenting and their speaking skills. And that often carries over into lots of other areas. It carries over into just talking to people in general, talking to strangers, chatting it up with folks, et cetera. Um, and some folks just like, you know, the it's a circuit, you know, the whole speaker circuit. I know uh, several people that speak at conferences all over the world, and it's just kind of the thing that they do. They have their talks, they send out their proposals or people invite them or because they've spoken at so many places, so many conference organizers already sort of have them in their Rolodex and it's yeah. just kind of an easy sell like, oh, yeah, we saw you speak yeah. at XYZ. Do you want to speak here? And they're like, you know what? OK, sure. Fine. Because I mean, the, like I said before, you know, for me and I really hope that I'm not coming off as like the angry black guy here. But the conference uh, experience not. generally for <laughs> me, what I've spoken has been, you know, fairly good the only problem has come down to be saying okay i need to be compensated because i put together this new talk or i have to fly across the country and stay out here for five days or what have you i should get something back for that or some kind of a you know honorarium or something to that effect and the conference organizers uh -huh. i've largely spoken to have been like mm, no we don't think so like we like your work, huh. we value what you're doing, but paying you, I mean, <laughs> we, we we'll, value you know, it with we'll, our we'll words, we can do. not we'll, with we'll our money. Can, yeah, like we'll see if we can talk to a sponsor or something. And it's one thing that I have gotten, and this has been from some smaller places where you know, even with smaller places, I'm not expecting. Now, I'm not trying to get rich here. I'm not saying I need to be fl flown out first class and staying at a suite at the Ritz. I'm just saying general economy ticket. 
stay at a, I don't know, like a three-star hotel, like not a, a roach motel or something, but stay somewhere decent that's close <laughs> to the venue. I think that's equitable based on what I'm bringing in terms of my expertise and the time that I've put together to create this talk and do the research and practice it and time it. I should get something for that. I, I think um, it's barely yeah. equitable. Like, yeah. like honestly, you should be like, why shouldn't you be trying to get rich? Honestly, and I, I rich obviously <laughs> in air quotes. Like you're not gonna like make a billion dollars doing this, but you are good at giving presentations. You are practiced at it. You have a perspective that's worth hearing. Like you provide value to these conferences in a way that like I think you should get paid handsomely for it. I don't think it should be like. Well, I I don't know. The way I think of it is like. I definitely know my hourly rate and like if if I have to take time off of work to go do that I would kind of be like I mean at the very least you can pay me to fly there and stay there if not some money on top of it like I can't help not do the math um but I mean to be honest about like where what I would do and like the situation Andy described of like I get invited to a conference should I write a letter back saying you should invite these people instead like if I got a, an email today that said they would pay for those things, they would pay for my time and whatever, like, I think I would just say, if I liked the idea of the conference, I would just say yes, I certainly wouldn't offer other ideas for other people, even though I know I'm overrepresented. So, like, I can be honest with myself in that way, but yeah. it probably has, to, has more to do with, like, how, how good a deal is it for me? Yeah. And, exactly. And that's what it comes down to. Like, in the past, the ones I've accepted are, like... You know, I accepted the one where I got to go to Canada. I've never been to Canada before. That seems cool. Uh, so, like, there's always this sort of competing factors. Um, and, you know, the the one I, I one in Canada specifically, I was like, all right, I'm going to accept this. And they told me they didn't care what I talked about. Uh, they they kind of left it wide open. So, I, I, the kind of compromise I made with myself was I'm like, all right, I'll accept this. But if I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, one, donate any of, like, the non-expense pay i get which was nothing it was a couple hundred bucks whatever so i donate that and then i'm going to talk about something that is like relevant to the issues and not just like some fluffy presentation about whatever so i gave a presentation which uh actually in some ways is kind of like i stuck to my my most expertise which is i talked about like the prevalence of like white male culture in design like just how those things are so linked like things that we think of as being design things are oftentimes just like white male things and and vice versa uh, which is the thing I'm imminently qualified to talk about because I have lots of experience <laughs> being a white male and also doing design things. <laughs> um, it was interesting. So I gave that presentation and mostly good feedback on it. And some people then invited me to other conferences to do the same thing. And I was like, no, 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 this is not, this is not the intention. I did not <laughs> want to become the de facto expert on this subject. I just, if I wanted to go to this thing, I wanted to like feel better about doing so by talking about something relevant. And then I had to like, get more invitations that i had to kind of point other directions because it didn't really make sense uh, there was one really interesting thing that happened which i do i don't know where this is going to go conversation wise but it's a, a story i have to tell which is that some other conference did that thing i just said they either knew somebody that was at this talk or one of their employees was or they heard about it somewhere and it's not online so i'm not sure where they would have seen it but they uh they were like hey we heard about this talk we think it'd be great talk to have at our specific diversity summit we're having we're having a summit for our big company about diversity it was a private company and they were having this big summit for all their employees they're like, we want you to come and give this presentation and i gave them a response i was like thank you i'm very very gracious and very grateful of you to invite me but i think if you're having a diversity summit maybe invite some other people uh and i actually like kind of went back and forth on this a lot because you know i worked hard on this presentation i think it's good i think the content of it is good but also i don't want to like just 
you know, become the guy that gives this presentation and kind of put myself in these spaces. And after talking about it a lot with some friends and whatever, I landed on agreeing to do it with the caveat they would let me do it with somebody else and bring somebody else along. And the idea being I'd bring somebody that didn't have as much experience speaking, that cared about the topic as well, we could present it together. And then this other person who is not a white male would have an opportunity to like maybe carry the baton forward or do something else, which I thought was a good compromise. So we went back and forth with this company a whole bunch, blah, 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 blah. They were like, sounds great, fine. We'll bring two people out, not a problem. Uh, and then they were like, you know, what are, your, what are your speaker fees? And I was like, I don't know what speaker fees are. So I talked to this person that we had agreed to do this thing with. And we came up with a number that seemed reasonable. Again, you know, like you said, Matt, doing the math based on like, how long is it going to take to make the presentation and to travel out there and like how much time we have to take off and then, you know, divide that by like five or 10 reasonably because no one's going to pay you for all those hours you're taking off at your full rate, obviously. So we came up with a number and we said, here's our, here's the number for the speaker fees. Uh, we would just like you to donate it instead to this organization. Uh, and we just never heard back. And it was like, okay, this is weird. We had like already like signed a little thing and we were like agreed to come. We were like looking at tickets. Uh, and then a couple of days later, they sent us an email where like, oh, thank you so much. Uh, you're no longer needed as a speaker. And they just kind of like completely quit the whole thing. And I still to this day don't know what to think about it because it was so weird. They were all gung-ho about bringing me out. I was like, can I bring somebody else that is not a white male? And they were like, sure. And mm-hmm. then when it came time to actually do it, they were like, actually, maybe don't come out. <laughs> maybe don't. Uh, and I, that was such a weird experience that like, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what to make of that. That is so close to an experience that just happened to me recently, uh, where a conference, uh, they saw this one talk that I gave. I gave this talk at South by Southwest in 2015. Where are the black designers? And I mean, the talk is on YouTube. It's on AIGA. And a lot of people have found me and asked me about speaking at conferences uh, from that talk. And since that talk, I've, you know, updated it for the different years and I've changed, you know, the timing on things of that nature. Um and I think because people have seen it online for free, when I ask them, you know, for speaker fees to go out to their conference, they're like, well, we could just play your presentation from YouTube. And I'm like, okay, you can do that. Just that's fine. If you want to use that two and a half year old presentation, <laughs> go right ahead. But, but to <laughs> your point, I did get invited to a conference recently um, and they were very gung ho about having me out there. And then something happened where one of the staff members had to leave for a personal reason. Um, and then I just somehow got uninvited from the conference as I saw that speakers were being put up on their website. I'm like, where's my stuff that I sent into you months ago? Why am I not yeah. listed on there? And I never I still have never heard anything back from them. The conference is actually in a few weeks. I will not be attending. I didn't even have time to put a talk <laughs> together because. I just somehow got ghosted from the from the whole event. And even then it was a it was a thing where I had to kind of fight them just to get them to cover my uh you know transportation and lodging and it was across the country. The uh, the idea that they could just play that they were kind of like not threatening you but like saying, "Well, we can't afford to pay you because we could just put your YouTube video on a presentation." I I, I have actually recommended that. It's funny because it's so perfect because like it's it's as if they don't realize that it doesn't cost you anything for them to play the video either. You're like, yeah, play the video, great. Doesn't that, that does not take forty hours of my time to like fly to your state and like do my thing there. So I also am fine with that. And they're like, oh, I guess we'll just do that then. Uh, that's interesting turn of events there. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's some smaller type events, and I mean, these are events that maybe are like one or two days. Where again, I'm not asking for a ton of money. I may be asking for, like I say, transportation and boarding. That may be a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars tops. Like, sure. not a lot. It's just me. I don't need a lot. 
But even that much, they're like, oh, well, we have to we have to think about it. I mean, there's been conferences I've been invited to speak at where I've had to pay my own way for registration. Like the registration's not even registration. Comp. Like, are you serious? Like, I'm part of your schedule. And it's like, oh, well, you know, everyone that's, like that's, that's attending has to pay. And I'm like, well, not me, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to I'm, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. They give you a special speaker rate for it, too. They'll be like, oh, it's one hundred dollars off. And for, like uh, one, one thing that has happened, and I think this might be unique just based on, like I said, that where are the black designers talk, I've sort of been, I don't know, corralled into the diversity and design conversation, which is not a bad thing, you know, mind you. But I will have people that want me to speak at conferences. And then the minute I mention something about, you know, compensation, it's almost like it, it, I get this sort of weird, uh, I don't even know the way to put it. Um, they they look at me as someone, quote unquote, fighting for the struggle in terms of diversity in the industry, which I totally understand. But because oh, I am that person, they're like, how dare you ask for money? That's such a capitalist thing to say, you know, something along yeah. those lines where it's been like, that's so greedy and you're just being ungrateful. And I'm like, I, I have my own business like. I can understand if I had a nine to five and I was doing this in my spare time. I didn't need the money, but like everything that I do in my business has to contribute to the bottom line. So, well, that's that's this weird, insidious thing, right? Where their perspective is that they're giving you a platform to further your message, and that's them being good, right? They're like, "Look, we care. We're going to let you go on this stage and talk about this thing you think is important," and so they feel like they've already done the good deed and to like pay you for them to do a good deed. Like, well, that seems like totally asking too much. That's, that's really subtle and pretty, yeah, that's, pretty that, insidious. That's why I said it sort of come to a point where I'm like, you know what? I'm good. Speaking at conferences for a while. Like, let me cool. Can off I recommend getting a dog? You can pat it on the head. <laughs> it loves you. It's great. I highly recommend it. Good idea. All right. Uh, let's move to our closing thoughts and wrap this up. Um, who wants to start? Who's got something to say? Oh, I'll start. I'll start. I call on Matt. I, I I feel like I always assume conference just means like big, nameless, like group of scary strangers that you walk into a room, you don't know anybody, and then you go listen to someone talk and there's no interaction. Um, like I appreciate what Cap was saying and that I, I can see the value in like a smaller, more intimate group. I've been a part of that. I really appreciate that setting. And like Really, I feel like maybe more what we should be thinking about when we think of conferences, just like group of people getting together and we should think about how we can do that better. Like, how do we make a more in- intimate environment? Like, we're all, you know, a lot of us are working on the internet, working remote, like human connection is valuable. So rather than just like conference being this thing where you just sit in an auditorium and listen to someone talk at you, maybe there's a way to think of it as smaller groups of people appreciating each other's company and it's just grouped around a theme or something. Um, And that's something I can appreciate. And I hope like, I don't know, maybe I organize a conference someday and it's more like that and not the thing I think I don't like. Yeah. I'll say from my, from my closing thoughts that, uh, you know, I think if you're listening to this and you've never been to a conference or an event like this and you're wondering if you should go, I, I would say you should, like, I think you should go to one of these you know, just to try it out and see what you think about it. Uh, and everyone is different, so not that you can like have one experience and assume that's what all of them are like. But uh, but I think you give it a shot, and then you know, honestly figure out if it's something that provides value to you and something you want to do. Because I, I do think that a lot of the event and conference culture is kind of like 
uh, a holdover, right? Like it's it's survived past its its uh, its days of real value. I can totally imagine how before the internet, these kind of events would be like stellar, like incredible. Like you've never even heard these ideas before, and you're like seeing people you never even knew existed, and like it's like this whole new world you get to kind of go and experience. And I really do think that now, you know, with just access to the internet and some you know ability to search up things and Google and like dig a little bit into a community, you can get so much of that from the comfort of your own home. Uh, and so I think it's, I don't think it's the kind of thing where we, we struggle. I don't think we could have found a contributor to this show that would tell you that like, you have to attend these events because otherwise you're like falling behind and you're not like on the cutting edge of your industry. But some people truly have that opinion that it's like, you have to go to these things. This is how you stay relevant. I don't think that's true anymore. And so I would say, do it for yourself. And if you enjoy it and do it a bunch, and if not, then stay home, pat your dog, stay home and pat your dog cap. What are, you, what, are you, what are your closing thoughts? So many thoughts. Um, I don't know. I was thinking this whole time. I, uh, I mean, I know obviously they're like the, the, uh, the kind of like evil conference organizer. I think that's like a, that's a theme of this, of this podcast. Uh, I, I do like have, having like spent time with some of those folks, like some of the people who organize these conferences, particularly the smaller ones, particularly the first time ones or the second time ones, like I've... First of all, I have a lot of empathy for those folks and a lot of like uh, gratitude for them because it is fixed. It's very hard and it takes a long time and it's a lot of effort. Um, and sometimes you don't break even. And I've definitely seen I've been at a conference where literally the organizer told me they broke even the like with like during the first day of the conference itself. Like they he like he was going to lose money personally having put this on. Um I've seen conference organizers like like break down and cry at the end of the whole thing because it's just been so stressful and like they just they, you know they put this whole thing on it was really successful but it's still like it's this huge release of energy um and so I have a lot of empathy like I like I want to like also uh shout out to those conference organizers who like try to do it all the right way do pay people to speak or to, like at least to like travel to speak um because it's just like it's insane like if you go to a conference you're sitting there in your seat and you think like how hard could this possibly be like you have like five people through for a couple of days giving talks and then like you're having drinks at a bar like how hard could that be it's really hard yeah um it's really difficult it is insanely hard i will say Um, i tried to do one thing once and man it was so hard to organize i won't do it again yeah it's it's really difficult and so i have i have that perspective on it um and then in terms of like whether or not you should go like you should. Um, and if you're speaking, I think, I mean, I think we kind of danced around this. I feel like people have, I feel like speakers more and more now have an obligation to our industry. Like if I have an obligation to my own team to make sure that we have a diverse team, like it seems insane to me that like I shouldn't hold like the events I, you know, I'm paid to be at or whatever, like accountable in the same way. Um, I think like dancing around it is kind of silly. I think there's a way to like approach it in a way that like isn't isn't like assuming that they are being malicious, that people are being malicious, and that maybe they're just like not informed or like not uh, haven't thought about it, which is wrong, but also should be you know like I think we can be kind to people um, and point things out in a way that doesn't elicit a response that makes us not want to bring it up again. Maybe because that's something we talked about is like, well, I brought it up and people like responded poorly. So now I just kind of like shy away from talking about it. Um, I think that's a bummer because the people that I do bring that up to, I bring it up to them even before I know what the lineup is. And I'm like, Hey, this is just, just so you know, this is really important to me and I want to make sure it's important to you too. And like, uh, like 
I don't know how much of a difference just me doing it makes or whatever, but if a lot more people are doing that, like it should supposedly at the, you know, at the internet scale have some effect. Um, and I also think for people going to conferences, you should pay attention, like pay attention to that when you're like looking for a conference to attend or who to give your money to. Um, Cause it's different for me to get paid or for someone to speak for free than it is for you to pay a conference, like a thousand dollars plus all your travel stuff. Um, that isn't bringing you like diverse opinions in the industry um, from all the perspectives that you deserve to be hearing from, particularly for that amount of money. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think conferences are great. I, I disagree with everybody on this podcast, I think, <laughs> and uh, people should go to them. But I think there is also like it's a complicated topic. And I feel like uh, the only way to make it better is to engage with it. But I also obviously respect Maurice's uh, exhaustion <laughs> with, the, with the bullshit. Yeah. So. But thanks for disagreeing with us and not just being like, yeah, whatever you guys say, you're boring. Well, that's what we try to do. We try and get people that disagree. Well, I, I know in the email you sent me about this, you said that I needed to say yes, like to <laughs> whatever you said. But I, I ignored the email. I didn't read it till just now. I'm just looking at it. So Perfect. It says here, agree with everything or else. Weird. <laughs> Very that's weird. Right. Maurice, what are your closing thoughts? Okay, so I guess to kind of try to, you know, put a cap... No pun intended on all of this. Oh, I um, see what you did there. It's pronounced chap. I know that some, some some of the views that I've you know said have probably come off as a bit contrarian, but I think that for people that are listening that are not white cishet men, they might get some idea of what I'm talking about with some of the microaggressions and things of that nature when I'm talking about speaking at conferences in general. Um, and so my words are kind of to them to say, even though these experiences can happen. And I mean, there have been, um, you know, incidents in at past conferences where, you know, a person has spoken up about something that happened at a conference and then it now snowballed into them losing their job or their career or something. Um, I, I want to say that it's important for us to just be in the room at the conference at, at whatever the, you know, the conference or the event or the meetup is uh, technology and social media has sort of shifted the role of the design conference. I'd say probably over the past like five to seven years. Um, you know, there are these big, huge multi-day design conferences, but now there are also a lot of smaller regional events that are more targeted, that are more specialized. There are, you know, meetups that might happen every month. There's online conferences or, or summits. And even for some of the larger conferences that people go to, you'll find that people are live streaming events. They're Facebook living it. They're, you know, periscoping it. They're talking with the hashtag about the event on Twitter. And so there's ways that you can be a part of the conversation without necessarily being in the physical space. But the importance of being in the physical space is to let, you know, the conference organizers know that, hey, this is important to me as you know, whatever my identity is, um, sort of like what Cap was saying with people looking at events and deciding what they want to support, you know, with their money. The thing is that those tickets end up being the validation, like how you're saying that some conferences will break even like the first day or something like that. If they see that they've been continuing on this same sort of model of, you know, a, a completely kind of monochromatic speaker panel, so to speak, and they see that people are still coming out and they're still selling out. They'll think, Hey, if it's not broke, why try to fix it? Uh, but if you're there in the room and you're able to voice your concerns or, or voice, you know, your opinions on these sorts of things, it at least lets them know that, uh, 
it's not just something that's coming from the outside, from people that aren't even there. Like you are there, you've invested your time, your money, or your company's invested their money for you to be there. And so for you to want to try to get as much out of it as whatever your identity is, I think it's important to speak up and, and sort of talk about that. And, you know, from the conference organizer side, I do realize that it is super hard to put something like this together. There's sponsorships, there's venues, there's so many moving parts to conferences that attendees and sometimes even speakers don't realize when it comes to just putting on an event. Um, but I think it would just kind of help to have a little more empathy, um, you know, try to start these conversations with people if there are certain types of diversity angles or what have you that you're trying to hit. Just try not to make it your last minute, you know, 11th hour request sort of thing. Uh, Try to make sure that it's something that's part of your planning from the beginning. Um, And then hopefully you can get more people dialed into it as you continue forward. Well, Maurice, Cap, thank you both for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. There's no need for sarcasm. <laughs> no, I mean genuinely. I, I, uh, this is this is a tough thing we're trying to do. Sorry, you can't. I realize. I realize. I said that, and you can't see my face. Uh, so, like, no, no, I, 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 I was totally I, joking. I get the point. I, I, I do. Want, I do think it's worth mentioning it. Like. I don't want this show ever to be a bunch of people that agree with each other. And we're trying to walk this tightrope between, like, we don't know each other well, the four of us. I mean, Matt and I do. And Maurice, you and I have talked a bit. And then Cap, I think we've talked a couple times. But it's difficult to have conversations where you don't agree with people and you don't know them super well. And that's what the show is effectively trying to do. We want to get different people uh, in a space where they feel like it's okay to disagree. And so I'm glad you disagree with this, Cap. I think that's the kind of... Thing no. I want to try and cultivate with the show. Uh, so I think what's fu- what's funny is like it's very it's all very nuanced, right? It's like I, I feel like actually it's funny. I think we all agree a lot more than it and maybe it even seems like. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think we really do. I mean, we all yeah. sort of like conferences to in a to a certain point, you know. Can, can I tell you what I don't like about conferences? Is the can we can we have a moment for like the the kind of like catered sandwiches thing? Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> the kind of like they've been sitting there for God knows how long. Can we just put a moratorium on? They're like a temperature where you wonder if they started warm or cold, but you can't really tell. Anymore. I was like, I was like, what is this? What is this gelatinous substance on top of the turkey? I don't know. Is there something wrong? I don't I'm know. trying to think if I've been to a conference that has had that. Like, I think uh, have you have you spoken at South by? Uh, I have. I haven't spoken. I, I have attended at South by. I mean, they have just like energy bars and like soft drinks like i don't think i've been to an event Uh, where i've spoken where it's been a catered kind of meal like they've done speaker dinners which i think is always nice because it gives you an opportunity to network with the with the um with the other speakers outside of kind of that conference arena so you get to talk to people one-on-one hopefully and you know have a drink or something but (laughs) sorry you said conference arena and i imagined like speakers fighting it out like in the (laughs) (laughs) speaker fights that's the new. That's the new conference. I'm going to start after. I this. would go to that conference. That I would. would I would cool. go to a design celebrities no hold barred cage match like a, for sure. <laughs> oh hell yeah! Like a celebrity death match. Yeah, that sounds mm-hmm. don't, very Don't invite compelling. me to speak. I don't want to. I don't want a piece of that. No, you just want to watch. You don't want to speak at that one. I would just watch. I think my money would probably be on Debbie Millman. Oh, uh, yeah. Like she's short, but she's really scrappy. Got those that's elbows. True. Throwing those bows. Yeah, those elbows. Like she's she's been in the game for twenty five <laughs> years for for a reason, you know. To uh, do I do anything That's you right. want to promote at the end of the show for uh, for listeners to go do or read or click on? Uh, I mean, other than work at Buzzfeed, you should all go work at Buzzfeed. Obviously, yeah, absolutely. Come work at Buzzfeed. Uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm like 
uh we said click on come work at buzzfeed but it's true like we are hiring people um you can we actually just put po- we've been posting a lot of documentation recently about our hiring process um one of the managers on my team sabrina uh, has a three-part uh blog post series going on right now about like every single detail of the hiring process which is pretty dope so if you read that and you think that like man that sounds cool i want to like try to try to do that you should let us know what do you want to promote maurice you're not speaking anywhere soon, so can't actually, promote that. Well, well, <laughs> well, actually, I will be at uh, Vectors, which is taking place uh, June 15th in San Francisco at Stripe headquarters. Uh, tickets should still be available for that. They're $20 for general admission, and students get to go for free. It's a half-day event. I think it starts at 5 p.m. Pacific. It's like from 5 to 10, so you can go after work. I'll be moderating a panel um, that's talking about hiring and diversity and stuff. So should be pretty good. Um, and then, of course, my regular things that I'm doing, I have my studio, uh, my creative studio lunch. Um, that's at Hire yep. them. <laughs> that's at, at yepitslunch.com. And then there's my design podcast, uh, Revision Path at revisionpath.com. Yes, listen to it. We're coming up on I'm your hype man, Maurice. 200 <laughs> episodes. We'll be celebrating our 200th episode in mid-July, so pretty big. That is an incredible accomplishment. That's amazing. That's huge. The dedication it takes to do that is something that I want people to appreciate because it is so hard <laughs> to make a podcast all the time, so that is that's a huge accomplishment. Congratulations, Maurice. Thank you. All right, this podcast is over because Maurice said South by, so I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Because I said South by? (laughs) You said South by multiple times. I can't handle it. Wait, stop. Don't turn off the podcast. I know it's basically over, but we have a request for you. For the next episode of the show, we're going to do something a little bit different and try and answer listener questions, but that means that we need you to send us your questions. We're going to be joined by Kara Haupt and Lola Landekich, who are both returning contributors. They're wonderful, smart women who have lots of knowledge to give you, so ask them good questions and we can make a good show out of it. Find us at WorkingFile and mail at WorkingFile.co. Send us questions, please. Please.